this is an interview with April Jones, uh, creator of uh, the Mentors documentary on July 29th, 2018. Now, April, can you give me an introduction on your media history on the West Coast? Yeah. Uh, before I did the Mentors documentary, I was producing a heavy metal public access TV series um, for six years in Portland. So I would interview bands that would come through town as well as all the local bands uh, to promote. And that's also where I taught myself to edit. So I see. Cool. Now, um, what were some of your favorite times or I guess favorite shows from Slade and Oregon? Um, some of, actually one of my favorite short, uh, rockumentaries was on Cemetery Lust, just because those guys are so funny and the way I edit it together kind of turned into a comedy as well. So that was probably one of my favorite episodes I worked on, um, just because those guys are, you know, they're my friends too. Mm-hmm. And so that one was kind of over the top. Yeah, I mean, those guys are just fantastic and i just really just dig everything about their music and just to really appreciate the comedy in it mm-hmm. now like how did you discover the mentors well i knew about the mentors for quite some time um you know just along with Gigi allen i learned about those bands back in the day um but when the mentors came into town they came into portland every year and I ended up interviewing them for my heavy metal TV series, Slade in Oregon. And um, when I interviewed them, uh, someone ended up barfing right in, in between them and me. So I have someone puking on camera during the interview. <laughs> it was pretty epic. Um, so from there, we kept in touch and I would film them every time they came into town. And eventually, they had put out a post on Facebook that they were looking for a filmmaker and had received a few um, emails from filmmakers, one of them including me. And so they went with me. (laughs) And so I did it. That's awesome. Now, um, I guess for you, what is like the most awesome collection or novelty thing or like rarity type thing you have of the mentors? Hmm. Um, well, when we were going through Heathen Scum Storage, we had found a lot of, I guess you would say novelty or rare items that he didn't even know were there. Um, we found a notebook of El Duce's that was like handwritten with scribbles and art and uh, cause El used to draw these like comics. So he has caricatures of Sicky and heathen scum and you know, all, <laughs> all the characters in there and lyrics and song concepts. So that was really cool. Uh, I don't own that specifically, but we had, Uh, took scans of all the images and notes and song concepts and I made those into beer koozies (laughs) which was pretty cool but we came across a lot of really rare 
mentor's items and his storage, which were really cool. Now, I guess, what was it about their story that just drove you to make a documentary on them? Well, I, you know, whether or not you like the mentors, there's some sort of intrigue about them. So whether or not you're, you know, you get the joke and you're like, yeah, it's funny, it's comedy. You know, if you're that person, there's still some intrigue about how they made it this far using the content they did. Or if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe those horrible bands. Even if you think like that, it's still intriguing to, to think like how they made it this far using, you know, the content they did and how they affected history, like music history and how many bands like grew up seeing the mentors, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to name drop, but there's that famous concert that apparently Metallica was in the crowd before they were big, you know, and hanging out with L and and there's pictures of, you know, bands like that when they were younger, before they were big, who were mentors fans. So it's really kind of intriguing and incredible to think how many bands that are huge today that were inspired by the mentors. What kinds of documentaries do you really hold respect for and, I guess, take influence from? Um, well, you know, I, I grew up watching, like, uh, VH1's Behind the Music, <laughs> you know, stuff like yeah. that. So I feel that um, that had a really big influence in what I do now. Um, and I didn't realize it until after I got into documentary filmmaking. And I was like, you know, I bet it's from, like, VH1 behind the music. Um, but also, Penelope, Penelope Spiris is, like, a, you know, a director that I hold up uh, in my book. She's really incredible. And what she did was pretty groundbreaking for the time. Um, and, you know, like, as far as films go, it's not really the only thing I'm inspired by, I guess I would just say like just life in general, like things that happen, things that I've experienced, um, you know, observing media and people and just being intrigued by, you know, the way, what people do and how people think and why they do things they do. I feel like makes me a better journalist in a way too. So I think there's a whole spectrum of influences there. Now, many people warned you about not getting involved with the mentors. Thinking back, do you feel like those warnings were like valid concerns about your safety or like just like simply a disagreement over bad taste? Uh, well, maybe both. <laughs> I feel like the people who were warning me were sincere and serious in their warnings. Um, you know, one of the warnings was like, don't get hit by a train. <laughs> and we kind of laughed. And like, seriously, though, like, you know, so oh, some of the warnings were also surrounded by the conspiracies that flood the Internet. Um, and, you know, like, even though I get the joke and I get the mentors, I, you know, I make sure I'm very weary and, and uh, observant at all times. Um, so I think the concerns were valid, but there were a lot of the concerns 
were from people who don't really know about the mentors very well and they were just going off of um you know like the conspiracies and the media type type of concerns okay now can you point to one or two moments that you really respect about how the mentors dealt with the pmrc well um when the pmrc happened um i know the mentors weren't at the hearings firsthand, but I think they didn't really get mad about it. I think they were stoked because they're like, sweet, like we're famous now, you know, the PMRC, like Tipper Gore had like mentioned us on national television (laughs) and the news. So I think they took it and went with it. Like they were, they were stoked that they got a mention from that. And I think that really, made them more international rather than just in the U.S. and uh, around where they were touring. Um, So I think they just went with it and took it and rolled with it, which is the smart thing to do instead of getting mad and, you know, um, like some bands probably would. So I think that was a good thing. They took it and rolled with it. Now, how did the mentors give you the nickname Raperl? (laughs) so it's funny because before i started the documentary i interviewed them for my my show slate in oregon and i had been documenting them at house shows and venues and we were at a specific house show and i didn't know the mentors very well at the time but my friend uh nukes we call him he knew the mentors and i said hey nukes go get me a shirt, like, tell him I want a t-shirt, you know? And so he's like, yeah, I'll introduce you to Mad Dog. So Nukes takes me to Mad Dog's van, and it's like maybe one in the morning after the show. And he's like, hey, Mad Dog, this is Raperol. Raperol, this is Mad Dog. And he left. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So my friend Nukes gave me that name as kind of a joke, like, I'm going to take you to... Mad Dog's van and like call you Raperol and see you later. <laughs> so it was just, yeah. So one of my friends actually did that. I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, now, um, do you look at any entities that are present in today's world that you feel like are like oppose a, th- a threat to the First Amendment? Mm, well, I, I feel like a lot of bands are trying to be shocking just because so many people are complaining about being shocking. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're really sensitive right now in society and anything we can find to complain about, we do. But then again, there's bands that are on the radio, you know, like pop and rap bands that are talking about the same content these other bands are and these other bands are getting protested and it's just a weird thing that like how come this person is doing the same thing as this other person but we're not you know it's like what is socially accepted isn't socially accepted also it's a weird thing you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I mean um, I guess just if you're like 
a major selling pop artist or something like that you get like how you say a license just to break the law and things like that but if you're like if you're a more of a uh, lesser known musician or artist you really need to work your ass off or somebody needs to give you that pass to uh act like that, that, that that's my interpretation yeah yeah exactly i mean for instance there's a famous pop artist, rap artist, they're making millions and they sing about cooking crack in a crock pot. <laughs> like, okay, the, actually the song is kind of catchy. <laughs> but, you know, other bands do that and people are like, oh my gosh, you're horrible. So it's just a weird, um, it's weird hypocrisy that we're in today. What kinds of things were you hoping to ask Alan Wrench about if he, how you say, would have continued on with your interview? Well, you know, when I interview people, I, I try to look at all perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, so I look at the perspective of he was friends with Elle. I look at the perspective of the conspiracy that's online. You know, I look at his perspective. But what I was trying to ask him was that he was the last person to see his friend. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to ask about the conspiracy without sounding like I was, um, like I was blaming him, I guess. Yeah. So I was kind of going down that route about, you know, everything that's on the internet. Like, what do you have to say about that? I kept pushing. That's the thing with me. I kind of like pushing buttons. Yeah. And so he, I had asked him a few times. He kind of beat around the bush. He wouldn't really give me a straight answer. And so I was like, finally, I just asked him what the internet wants to know, what everyone wants to yeah. know. And he didn't really like that. Um, so I would have probably... Um, pursued that that question about his last time with Elle, about the conspiracy uh, behind him killing Kurt Cobain. Um, you know, I would have gone down that route a little more and about what he thought of that because I'm not trying to blame him for anything. I just want to know what he thinks about it all. I just want to know his perspective. That's what I was trying to get at. So... If it came off wrong, you know, it must have since he walked away, but I appreciate his time nonetheless. I mean, like, um, I've had some interviews with musicians where it's just like, it's just going to shit. Like, sometimes I think, like, um, if they're having a bad day or pissed off about something, like, there may be certain questions that you've, you've checked this person out you've seen like um, past interviews of theirs and they're cool with mentioning that but for whatever reason mm -hmm. on that day they just be like you know what I'm not into it today that's yeah that that's one of those things too I mean that that could be a possibility as well I guess yeah I mean you could have said pass <laughs> or something yeah um actually that was his first interview since Kurt Cobain was 
murdered or killed, whatever. Um, so Alan Wrench has never been interviewed for something like that, um, which I found interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Um, one time I interviewed a band and they had gone through some, some drama with another band and he had talked about it to other social outlets, but he wouldn't talk about it to me. And he's like, well, for legal matters, I'm not going to say anything yeah. <laughs> and that was fine and we moved on and went to the next question which i thought alan wrench would just do so yeah um but i i mean I, I could respect like why you you felt like you needed to ask that for like the inclusion in your movie so but um yeah what, and for the audience like everyone wants to know what his thoughts are on that so despite what I think, it doesn't matter what I think. It's like what everyone wants to know. Now, what was going on with you and your film that you got mentioned in an article from the Williamette Weekly? Okay, so um, the mentors had booked the anti-Antifa tour, which really pissed a lot of people off. But that's how the mentors roll. <laughs> So Antifa started messing with the mentors and there's a famous feminist bookstore in Portland. They've been on Portlandia and, you know, they're somewhat big, um, infamously. Um, so they had made an event page. They actually, I think they had had something published in the Willamette Willamette paper. Yeah. So the bookstore had something published in the Willamette talking about the mentors, about trying to shut them down. And, you know, which a lot of people have done in the past. But the thing that got really me irritated was in their event page on Facebook, they had said something like racism sucks shut down the mentors and i'm thinking that they even researched the mentors because they are an integrated band and don't sing about racism whatsoever in their music in the mentors music so and also before this documentary even happened me being a journalist trying to get all perspectives of the spectrum, I walk into the, that feminist bookstore and I say, like, hi, I'm a journalist and a filmmaker. I'd like to interview someone to speak out against this rape rock band. <laughs> so I had originally went in there in the first place to try to get an outside perspective, you know, because that's what I feel like my job is as a filmmaker is to tell a story and get other people's perspectives and they were not into it so that was another thing that kind of irritated me like oh they don't want to talk to me about but they want to spread false information like two years later about the mentor so then I contacted the Willamette and um, you know, because I felt like they needed to know the truth. Like, the mentors aren't racist. That's stupid. Um, like, you could, among a lot of things, the mentors are. 
So I wrote a statement about that and I called them out on it. It's like, I gave you the opportunity to professionally um, tell me your opinion. And they were not professional about it. They have to be like little, you know, 16 year olds. <laughs> I don't know. So that that's what happened basically. Okay. Now, um, I've noticed you've gotten a few press mentions and articles on Blabbermouth.net. Was this easy to make happen? Well, Blabbermouth has always been a supporter of my work, uh, among a, a bunch of other uh, outlets like Brave Words and Metal Rules. Um, so I've kept in contact with them throughout Slade and Oregon. So I feel that... Um, it was, I guess, easier because I've already been in contact and they've supported over the years. So, mm-hmm. Blabbermouth is a good one. Um, good, good supporters. They always post stuff. I feel like so that's a really good outlet, especially for first-time filmmakers in the rock or metal genre. Um, that's a really good uh, media outlet to go to. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I felt like um, just before I became a published writer, I tried to get some things onto Blabbermouth. And I got like, I think about five things on Blabbermouth before I even had my first published article. So it's just kind of like, it's kind of like a stepping stone type thing, too. Yeah, totally. And, you know, also, since these, but these uh, bigger publication outlets like Blabbermouth and Brave Words, I've noticed that they don't really post about smaller local bands. So what I would do when I had my heavy metal TV series, I would interview someone like Bobby Blitz from Overkill, do an episode on Bobby Blitz, and then at the very end of that episode, I would feature a local band. So that local band gets some press. Because none of the bigger outlets post smaller bands. So I would lump the smaller bands in with the bigger bands, and then they would post the bigger bands, and then my friends would get exposure. So that was kind of, um, you know, a way I kind of helped my friends also more into the public media. Definitely. Now, what kind of expectations did you have about visiting the Finnish embassy? Um, that was a fun one. I didn't even know we had an interview. They, they set up an interview for me and I didn't know about it until I was in Finland. Um, they gave me the itinerary and they had set up, um, like two, a radio interview, um, uh, a online blog interview and the U S embassy of Finland interview. And I was like, what? I'm going to be a a guest speaker at the U.S. Embassy? Like, holy shit. And guess who I'm going up right after was the director of Poltergeist and Vice Squad, Gary Sherman. So I'm like, wow. (laughs) That was pretty incredible, and I'm really thankful that I got to experience that. But also, I'm like, oh, crap, what am I going to talk about? Rape Rock at the U.S. Embassy? (laughs) So... That was an interesting, um, interesting one, but it turned out great, and I got to talk about, you know, the heavy metal culture and 
the mentors and my film work. So that was really a wonderful experience. What were some of your favorite questions that you got asked in Finland? Uh, I think uh, one of the questions, I think, you know, a lot of the, the questions I get also is um, why the mentors and if being a female, like, uh, how would I word this? They asked me if being a female affected the film or how I felt about documenting the mentors being a female or something like that. Um, and, you know, the way I look at it is I'm a journalist, so I try to come come at it from an unbiased standpoint. Um, but also, I guess, being a female, too, makes me more sensitive to the subject and the content that the mentors portray. So I feel like I did a pretty good job. <laughs> I see. Now... Before you visited the Night Visions Film Festival, what made you interested in being a part of it? Well, they contacted me mm. to show my film there because uh, they're they're big on the mentors. They love the mentors. So the Night Visions Film Festival is based on horror films and cult films, and so my film fit into the cult category. Uh, so that was really amazing because I've never been to Finland. So that was really awesome. Like, how much time did you get to spend in Finland? And did you get to do anything besides, like, those places you mentioned, like the film festival or the embassy and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some sightseeing um, that we did. My friend had met me down there, too. And I had, they set me up with a host to drive me places. But a lot of the time we took cabs or the train. Um, but my friend Alex in Finland, he works at the radio station there. He showed us around, too. He took us to music stores and uh, the film stores and we just walked around and sightseeing stuff, statues, <laughs> went to the market. It was pretty cool. I spent about three days, three, four days. So it wasn't a very long visit, but it was amazing. And then we took the boat to Estonia. So that was really cool. And, you know, you don't really notice things like this when you're when you're living in America so much. But when I went over there to Finland, I didn't see trash anywhere. Anywhere. My friend Alex took us to the bad parts of town where they have brothels. And I didn't even see trash anywhere. <laughs> it was so clean. It was amazing. Wow. So that's, you know, you don't really notice it until you're... But I mean, I live in L.A. now, so... <laughs> that's a pretty hefty comparison. By the way, could you name drop any of like your favorite record stores you you got to visit in Finland? Oh, you know. Oh, um. Uh, can we come back to that question? I'll have to think about it. I don't remember the names uh, uh, off the top of my okay. head. But um, one of the guys in Finland that helped me set up the show, he owns a record store. 
Um, but um, actually, can you hold on like 30 seconds? Let me try to look it up real quick. Okay. You know, my my internet's not even working on my phone right now because I don't have service. Yeah. But, yeah, anyways, one of the guys um, that runs Night Visions, he has a record store, and so that was cool. I picked up some Finnish metal, and um, and I picked up um, a, a documentary uh, of a bunch of Finnish bands, like punk rock, and which I haven't watched it yet because I need to get a DVD player. <laughs> but, yeah, I picked up some Finnish metal, and... I, I don't really know these bands off the top of my head, so I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> okay, that, that's cool. Um, it's just like I'm just like huge into like record stores, and it's just like I mean I'm I'm not sure how crazy you are about zines, but I, I mean it's just like I love zines so much, you know. Oh yeah. Well, zine is, zines are part of like the DIY culture too, and that's what yeah. I love about zines, like. You know, how many magazines, like, started as a zine? Like, probably most of them. If you did, especially if you didn't have, like, a startup fund or whatever. Um, so I really like zines, too, uh, because it is a part of our, you know, DIY startup heavy metal culture, skate culture, punk culture. It's, zines are pretty awesome. Now, um... What kind of pressures are there, and is there such a thing as a typical day for you as you're showcasing the Mentors documentary at film festivals? I don't know. Um, like, what do you mean, like, pressure, like, a typical day, like, of a screening, or? Yeah, yeah like, let's say, like, um, you're out in New Orleans, or New York, or Chicago, or something like that. And you, at night, you're going to be showcasing your film. Like, what is it like that day, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of excitement when I go go show a screening. Um, but, I mean, there's not, like, really a lot of pressure, I guess. Like, when we went to New Orleans, we just, you know, we got there. Um, we flew in and had to go straight to the venue, but... I mean, before the screening, we just walked around, and I'm super friendly, so I say hi to everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, how's it going? Come watch my film. <laughs> so I'm yeah. kind of a big dork like that. But um, you know, it's it's kind of, I guess, nerve wracking a little bit. Yeah. Just because I, I want people to, you know, like the film. But then I think if they don't like it, well who cares it's my art i made it for myself and the mentors um but i mean so far like everyone that i've talked to has liked it i've gotten a little constructive criticism which was good because i like that too that's how i better myself as a filmmaker but everyone who i've talked to has really liked it but you know even though i know that there's still that little nervous nervousness before screening a film so i think that's kind of normal though <laughs> like do you feel like the mo most important part about showcasing your art 
you get some sort of emotion out of it as long as it's not apathy it could be like complete hatred it could be love immensely but as long as you get just a strong emotion that's important because I, I feel like just people shouldn't shy away from like hatred but like if people are just like oh I, I don't even care about that I'm not even gonna watch it that I feel like that's like the worst type of thing you could deal with yeah yeah I mean there you know we do get a lot of emotional responses from the film uh, a lot of laughter um especially in Finland those guys laughed so hard at something that like Americans would not laugh about like oh that's fucked up <laughs> you know like like what but I think the way I think the way I portrayed it was really funny um just, I mean, for instance, you know, I asked Sicky Wife Beater about, you know, his name and the song Sicky Sniffer Test, and he's like, well, everything is true or has a kernel of truth to it. So he's basically saying, like, he is a wife beater. <laughs> and everyone just starts busting up laughing, <laughs> which is funny because it's the way... I, I, well, it's the way Sicky said it. It's the way I cut it together. And then it's the imagery after the fact. So it's really funny. But, you know, most people will be like, oh, that's not funny. But it, it is funny <laughs> just because of how everything comes together. So I feel like even people that are against that type of thing still laugh and still respond and somewhat emotionally to it. Now, like, you went on a, a full nationwide tour with the mentors. Can you tell me about some of your favorite memories of that? <laughs> yeah, that's when I started getting warnings. It's like, I'm going on a tour with the mentors. Everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, that was quite an experience. But, you know, it was, honestly, it was like, being in the van with, like, be with somebody who's are such, like, 16-year-old boys who talk about, like, fart jokes and poop jokes, you know, the whole time. So it was really fun. And I got to be good. I'm a skateboarder. I'm like, sweet. I don't have to say I can check it So I didn't have to hold back any of that, too. Um, so that was quite an experience. Um, I did, oh, one time I went to the bathroom and there was like this poopy thumbprint on the toilet paper and I was like, gross! And then Broy came and he's like, what? And then we're like, oh, Sicky! Sicky's poop! And I took a picture of it too. I think Sicky was drunk and tried to wipe his ass and got it on the toilet paper. So that was kind of gross. But then I left my tampon in the toilet for him like a week later, so... <laughs> So that was fun. <laughs> I see. Now, um, I guess before I'm starting to wrap this up, like, um, can you remember anything about any of, like, the record stores or, like, shout-outs to, like, your favorite zines? Mm, I don't know. I'd have to get back to you on that one. I don't know any names off the top of my head. I see. I mean, it's just like, you, you know about Headsplit, and, like, you got to have all of them. Oh, yeah. But 
Oh yeah, I knew I knew the head split guys before head split. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you ever check out the Beyond? No, wait, Beyond. The Beyond, like B E Y O N D. Oh, it sounds familiar. Um, you ever hear of this band from L.A. called uh, Mutilation? Yeah. Yeah, I believe Javier from that band. He uh-huh. um is working on the fifth issue of the Beyond. Like when I went to um, Famine Fest in 2015, um, I remember doing an interview with those guys at a uh, Ray's house, and they hooked me up with issue three, and also ordered issue four recently, and they're they're working on issue five now. It's really really dedicated to just wild black metal, the whole thing. Nice. So, um, it's, you, you definitely could learn some interesting stuff from there. Nice. Yeah, you know, I don't think Head Split is going anymore. Well, um... Uh, Head Split Magazine, that is. Like, last I heard, they were on, they were going back to the newsletters. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's expensive printing, all that stuff. But Head Split has been you know, supporters for my work in the past. I've done a bunch of artwork for them, too. Yeah. Um, so they've published my art and Slade and Oregon stuff. I think they found, like, a distributor out in um, Germany. Because that, like, keep this on the DL because I haven't ordered the issue yet. But they've mm-hmm. got the... If you want the last issue, there's... um. This place in Germany I can tell you about, but I, like I can't tell you about it till I ordered my copy, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I hate to be like uh, shady about that, but it's just like I need to get that last issue from my collection, you know? Oh, totally. <laughs> now, um. Well, that's cool. Would you like to go back to any questions? Um. I don't know. Um. I could tell you something that I haven't told anyone about the film. Yeah, definitely. Give me some cool stuff. So we are signing uh, with MVD Entertainment for distribution. We haven't announced it yet, and it will be announced in October. Uh, It takes a while for these things to go through, but that's really good news for the Mentors documentary because... We will be getting um, VOD deals, like video on demand. And I will also maintain 100% self-distribution rights, which is really important to me as a filmmaker. So I can still sell my film on my website, and the guys can still sell the film from their Facebook or whatever. Um, So that's really, I'm really stoked about that. And I've been wanting to tell everyone, but I don't really want to, you know, announce it too early, but we're having um, the official first uh, Los Angeles screening here in October, like the day of the announcement. So that's really exciting, and everything will be announced uh, October 5th. Final words. Final words. If I had to do it all over again, I totally would. <laughs> that was quite an adventure, especially for my first film. Holy shit. 
And, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. I want to give thanks to the mentors as well. And Dr. Heathen Scum, mostly, I couldn't have done this without him. He helped financially, and he helped with all the footage, like never-before-seen footage. Um, you know, we went through his storage shed, went through boxes of VHS. Like, I would absolutely could have not done this without him either, so... He was a huge part in helping me make this film. 